everyone, Siobhan Chapman here and welcome to Top of the Morning on the UBS Market Moves podcast channel. It's Friday morning, which means it's time for the weekend review and preview conversation. My guest will recap how markets have performed over the past few sessions and preview what you can expect in the week ahead. Joining us for the conversation, I'm glad to welcome Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategy Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. Matt, I'm happy to have you. Welcome. Hi, Siobhan. Thanks for having me. Of course. So let's get started. So, Matt, it's been a roller coaster of a week, including yesterday's 5% rally and the S&P 500. What have been the drivers behind the recent market moves? So markets did respond quite favorably to yesterday's CPI print as the inflation data did come in softer than expectations. So quickly recapping the takeaways from the print, month over month, the headline rate did rise 0.4% and the core rate rose 0.3%, which were both far below consensus forecasts. On a year-over-year basis, the headline rate rose 7.7%, down from 8.2% in September, and the core rate rose 6.5%, down from 6.6% in September. So we continue to see consumer spending shift away from goods to services, and this is helping the supply side of the economy catch up with demand, which is reducing inflationary pressure. Core goods prices did fall in October, and they should continue to trend lower from here. One area of focus within the goods segment was used car prices, which did fall by 2.4%, but they still have quite a ways to go before coming back down to normal levels. On services, core prices did rise by 0.5%, and this is contributing to inflationary pressures on the services side, although it's important to note that this increase was less than the prior two months. Rents are the area of focus within services, and although prices here did increase by less than the prior month, it's still a major driver of overall inflation, and with the CPI rent data being a lagging indicator, we're likely to see further big increases in the months ahead. So overall, although yesterday's inflation data was positive, we do need to continue to see more progress. And with the labor market still very tight, we expect the Fed to continue hiking rates. In December, it's likely that we'll now see a 50 basis point increase instead of a 75 basis point one. And the Fed will likely raise rates by at least another 100 basis points in total before pausing the rate hiking cycle. So moving toward the midterm elections, of the results that we have, were there any notable implications to the financial market? And was there anything to note with respect to the market response? Of course. So we did have the midterm elections earlier this week. And I would just note a few key takeaways from the results that we do know of so far. And there's still a few Senate races that do remain undecided, including in Georgia, where a runoff election is set to take place on December 6th, and a few more races in the House as well. So first, it does appear that the Democrats performed much better than expectations, despite President Biden's low job approval rating. And this does defy the historical precedent that would have suggested the Republicans would have taken more seats in Congress. Second, if the Republicans do end up taking control of the House, it will be by a much slimmer majority than expected, and this could provide obstacles for the legislative agenda and for votes related to the budget, foreign aid, and the debt ceiling. And third, we did see many candidates that were endorsed by former President Donald Trump fail to meet expectations, and in Florida, Governor Ron DeSantis handily defeated his challenger, which does position him for a presidential bid in 2024. So for financial markets, if we do end up seeing a divided Congress, history would suggest markets like gridlock as equities have typically performed quite well in this environment. 
However, we don't expect the election results to be a key driver for equity market performance going forward as investors continue to grapple with inflation, the Fed, geopolitical risk, and the uncertainty about whether or not a recession is inevitable. But looking back to the market response on Wednesday, the S&P 500 did fall by 2.1% after previously having risen for three consecutive days. But we don't think it was primarily driven by the election results that we've seen so far. Additionally, there were some concerns heading into yesterday's CPI print that could have led to some de-risking. We've also recently seen a few data points that have shown financial conditions are now quite tight as the Chicago Fed's National Financial Conditions Index is currently at its tightest level since the global financial crisis, and the Fed's Senior Loan Officer Opinion Survey, aka the SLUS, did show that 39% of banks are tightening lending standards for commercial and industrial loans. And this current tightening trend has accelerated sharply over the last year. And lastly, a lot of volatility in crypto markets this week may have contributed as well. We're now beginning to wind down the quarter three corporate reporting season. What are your overall reflections and takeaways? So we are nearing the end of the third quarter earnings season, and 90% of the S&P market cap having reported. And we describe the results as quite lackluster. So although we've seen 65% of companies beat sales estimates and 63% beat earnings estimates, this is actually a bit disappointing considering on average 75% of companies usually beat on earnings. So in aggregate, earnings are beating by just a half of a percentage point and corporate profits are growing by 3%, which is at the lower end of our initial expectations. Finally, on the more positive side, revenues are growing by 11%, and this is being driven by still solid consumer demand and companies' ability to raise prices. Now, turning over to a few of the key themes and takeaways from this earnings season, as I previously just mentioned, consumer demand is still strong, and we are continuing to see the shift from goods to services spending, and going forward, we'd expect the consumer to remain in pretty good shape as long as we don't see any significant cracks in the labor market. Also, pricing power has been resilient, and this has helped support company margins. The impact of the stronger U.S. dollar was also an area of focus this earnings season, and it looks like it did crimp EPS growth by a few percentage points. And finally, specifically related to megacap tech, earnings were disappointing as evidenced by their stock price reactions, and this was driven by slowdowns in cloud, digital advertising, and e-commerce. So now what does this mean for earnings going forward? So if we look at the fourth quarter S&P 500 EPS estimate, since the end of the third quarter, the estimate has been revised down by a little more than 5%. And for those companies that have already reported, the median fourth quarter estimate has been cut by 3.5%. And in CIO, we do remain of the view that earnings are likely to contract next year, as our 2023 EPS estimate is more than 7% below the current bottom-up consensus estimate. So, we are still cautious about the outlook. What is taking place next week that investors should be mindful of? Right. So looking at the economic calendar next week, there won't be as many market-moving data points as this past week, but instead, we might actually see earnings come back into focus with quite a few major retailers reporting, but more on that a bit later. So first, starting with the economic calendar on Tuesday, we'll receive the November print for the Empire State Manufacturing Index and the October PPI data with consensus expecting a 0.5% month-over-month increase, which would actually be a small uptick from the prior month. 
on Wednesday. Retail sales for October will be the highlight for the day, with consensus expecting a 0.9% month-over-month increase after a flat reading in September. Additionally, we'll receive some housing data with the NAHB Housing Market Index release, and the index has continued to trend lower all year, and expectations are for a decline in the index yet again. On Thursday, a few additional housing-related data points as we'll get the October readings for building permits and housing starts. We'll also receive the weekly continuing and initial jobless claims numbers, which have risen somewhat gradually over the past few weeks, but both are still historically low. And for context, although continuing claims have risen back towards levels last seen in late March, they are still quite low and not too far off of the 52-year low. And to wrap up the day, a couple of manufacturing prints for November from the Philadelphia and Kansas City Fed manufacturing indices. And to finish up, next Friday, we'll receive existing home sales data for October, and the conference board will be publishing its monthly leading economic indicators index, which is again expected to see another monthly decline. Now, looking at the earnings calendar next week, only about 5% of the S&P market cap is set to report, but we will hear from major retailers such as Walmart, Home Depot, Lowe's, and Target, just to name a few companies. But what these companies have to say about the outlook will especially be important, as we'll listen for further insights on recent consumer trends, the impact of the mix between price and volume on revenues, and if they're successfully working down inventory, which has been an issue in recent quarters. All right. Thank you so much, Matt. Again, today we have been joined by Matthew Tormey, Equity Strategist Americas with the UBS Chief Investment Office. And as a reminder to our listeners, Top of the Morning is a part of the UBS Market Moves podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering, as well as the UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Siobhan Chapman, and thank you for joining us. UBS Chief Investment Office's investment views are prepared and published by the Global Wealth Management Business of UBS AG or its affiliate, UBS. This material has no regard to the specific investment objectives, financial situation, or particular needs of any specific recipient and is published for informational purposes only. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients globally, UBS AG and its subsidiaries offer both investment advisory services and brokerage services. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. In the USA, UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG and a member of FINRA SIPC. For information, please visit our website at UBS.com forward slash working with us. For a full legal disclaimer applicable to the independent investment views produced by UBS, please visit our website at ubs.com forward slash CIO disclaimer.